0: Welcome to the Christchurch London podcast. This is a talk from our Bethnal Green service. To find out about upcoming talks at each of our services, or to listen to other talks, please visit christchurchlondon.org. Thank you, Philip (laughs) Along. Uh, as, uh, as Philippa said, we are in the middle of a sermon series called Awaken. How many Christians around the world are sensing that this is a really important time for us as a church, uh, that we need to be devoting ourselves to prayer, uh, to kind of awaken ourselves up a little bit um, to what is going on in our, in our world and our culture. Um, and, and, and as she said, we're going to take a break from that tonight uh, and talk about vision. But in all honesty, they do really tie together. Although this isn't part of the series uh, this heart to want to see the church awaken um, really is what we are here uh, and what this is all about. For those of you who don't know me, uh, as Philip said, my name is Joel Wade and um, I lead the service with Dee, my wife. Uh, if it is your first time, I just want to extend my welcome to you as well. Really hope you uh, feel at home here uh, and enjoy uh, the service tonight. Hopefully, it'll be fun, but maybe, you know, if it's not, just go downstairs and they can just play with the kids, but um, that's fine. Uh, about a year ago now, I was talking with someone uh, from this service who said that they'd uh, bumped into another church leader uh, in the area. And uh, she said that, uh, she goes, oh, I, I go to Christchurch London in Bethnal Green. And this leader said, oh, right, cool, you, you go to the cool church. And uh, when she told me that that's what he'd said, I was like, oh, okay, cool. I didn't really know how to respond to that uh, reaction. I kind of had mixed emotions about it. We could be proud. We could be like, yeah, that's right. We're we're super cool. Uh, we could be surprised. I mean, I mean, Raf comes to the service. You might think that <laughs> that's not really a reputation that we'd uh, we'd be growing. You shouldn't have uh, taken took the mic. I'm, uh, anyway. Um, but uh, for me, as I've been reflecting on that, I've kind of not forgotten that statement. Is that really what we want to be known by? Is that the reputation that we're building? And of course, that is not what we want to be known by at all. We're not here to build a cool church. That does not interest me in the slightest. That is not our motivation. But the question kind of follows on from that, well, what do we want to be known by? What should our reputation be? Now, many things feed into the reputation of a church. Uh, Things like identity or the demographics in our church, the part of the city that we live in, they can all contribute to our reputation. But tonight, I just want us to think about this question. What are we, Christchurch London in Bethnal Green, what are we going to be known for? What's our reputation as people and as a community going to be? So if it is your first time here tonight, um, I hope that this is a really helpful uh, evening for you to hear some of our heart. Um, And just to say this is not some kind of sales pitch or some kind of coercion or anything like that. We we generally, what we're saying tonight really comes from the heart of D&I and for many of us. In this service, and these are our hopes and our prayers uh, as we go through life together in this city. Ten years ago, the uh, author and marketeer, Simon Sinek he gave a talk on TED that's become, I think, the third highest viewed talk. Uh, I think it's over forty million views. Um, of uh, have, uh, forty million people have seen this talk, and it's called "How Great Leaders Inspire Action." And he says that too many leaders, when they're uh, communicating um, what they're selling, or organizations, when they're communicating about products, they start with what when it comes to selling those products or ideas, whereas they'd be far more successful if they started with why. And he gives the example of Apple. If they were to start with what they do, their marketing campaign might look something like this. We sell computers. They're really well made and look really great. Do you want to buy one? But instead, they start with, why? We believe in challenging the status quo, in thinking differently. The way we do that is making products that are beautifully designed and simple to use. And these products happen to be computers. Want to buy one? And he called this methodology the golden circle. And it's worked so well that many organizations and politicians and leaders have used this as a framework for their campaigns. However, what seems to be happening is there's this growing trend where people are getting tired of why-messages from organizations and leaders. Apple might try to sell this lifestyle or this vision for what the good life is, a vision that grabs our heart and gets our attention. But 10 years on, we're addicted to our iPhones. We're starved of genuine relationship, and rather than thinking differently, we think just like everyone else. You may have seen uh, the controversy over a recent Gillette advert it was in the news. And whether or not you agreed with the motive or the message behind the ad, there was one thing that you can't dispute. There wasn't a razor to be seen. And if you hadn't have heard of Gillette before, you'd have no idea what they were selling, and something that would probably seem just crazy to marketeers 10, 20 or even 10 years ago. And speaking of ads, has anyone seen the uh, the Christian Connection dating app adverts on the tube? I don't know if I love them or hate them. One of the, one of the slogans is, uh, love is patient, love is kind. But sometimes hard to find, Christian connection, <laughs> hands up who's, no, I'm joking, don't do that. But now 10 years, uh, 10 years on from the golden circle, we've grown more suspicious of why messages because they don't play out in reality, they just don't work. If you buy this product or download this app or go to this place or do this exercise or study this degree or have this job, your life will be better and you'll get this image of the good life that we are offering. And I think people are growing tired of that narrative as we try to search for some kind of authenticity in an inauthentic world. But what these campaigns do show us is that meaning sells. Why? Because we're all searching for it. We're all, all, whether consciously or subconsciously, searching for meaning. We're all looking for ways that our life can matter and be improved and have value. And all that the world can offer outside of God is put your your hope and your meaning and your trust in something or someone that will ultimately leave you unsatisfied. But the reality is that even though we might say we're followers of Jesus, we can still do this too. We can look to find our meaning and our purpose in other things. And over the last 18 months or two years, I've been going through my own journey in this area where I've tried to grow more self-aware as to where I really put my hope in, where I really find my meaning from. And it started with just a general dissatisfaction with where my faith was at and wanting to grow more in in my relationship with God and be shaped by Him, but also just getting increasingly frustrated with how other things affected me. If I had a bad week at work or had a difficult conversation, that would spill out into other areas of my life, and it shouldn't have. But as I reflect on this journey, and one that I'm still on in many ways, I'm not surprised that this happened um, because I was distracted. Distracted from making Jesus, who is not only a meaning that we can discover ourselves, but a person who came to make himself known to us, my ultimate joy, desire, and meaning. Because I found it just so easy to get caught up in what the world was selling. And then I read passages like John 10, where Jesus said that he came so that we could have life and life to the full. My life didn't really reflect that. Does yours? Do our lives reflect that truth? Or do we live like everyone else, maybe living for the weekend? Or what uh, John Tyson, who's a pastor in New York, says, medicating your mediocrity with Netflix, which which is like, wow, (laughs) pretty harsh, but kind of true. Um, But we also just come to church occasionally, or maybe even every Sunday. Are we really living the life that Jesus has to offer us? And if not, why not? Where you place your meaning or what you put your hope in will ultimately shape the person you become where you place your meaning influences the vision for your life and then therefore also the actions that you take. And a couple of weeks ago, D and I went away for a few days uh, to talk and to pray and to think about uh, partly this talk, but more importantly, our vision and our plans for 2019. And the area that we were really challenged on as we prayed was that we, we we really need to focus on who we as a community are becoming and not just what we are doing We need to realign our desires so that we all place our meaning and hope in Jesus and then let that shape the people we become. And that's really what I want to focus on today. And I find it interesting that our culture doesn't really talk about this idea of who we are becoming uh, very much, How, how where we find meaning affects how we live. And we often don't shape our life goals around this idea. Our New Year's resolutions are probably more likely to be based around our health or our wealth or our work or our relationship status than the person or people that we are becoming. And more often than not, our focus is about what we will do or what's going to happen in the future rather than, what's, than who we're becoming right now. And I don't know about you, but when I think about my own life, often when I think about the future, it's purely circumstantial. We picture ourselves in this house or with this job or with this person or with this salary, and then our life will be better. And the vision for our lives are based and inspired on our future circumstances, not the person we are right now or the person that we will become. And a, psycholo- a psychologist from the States called Jean Twenge, who studies uh, the, difference, the differences between generations, she notes that in her studies, millennials began to show that most of them think something truly remarkable was going to happen to them in the future. That dream job that saves the world but also makes you rich, becoming famous or getting to travel the world or, or marry a model or whatever it might be, we've grown up being told that we're special and just not, not just to hope for great things to happen but to expect great things to happen to us. And we're constantly shown online what hashtag living your best life looks like. And so that becomes our expectation, that becomes our aim. And if our life doesn't look like that, we fail to live up to our own vision for our life. And philosopher uh, Bing Chauhan describes what's happening in the West as achievement culture, where society is built around the verb can. And achievement uh, culture tells us that we can be it all, we can have it all, and we can do it all. And he writes that contemporary society is a society of achievement and describes that this is why fatigue and anxiety is so prevalent in our culture today. If our life's worth is built around what we do and what we achieve instead of who we are and who we're becoming, it's no surprise that we're fearful and anxious that we're not going to make it or measure up, or we're exhausted by trying. And when you read pretty much every letter that Paul writes in the New Testament, the first chapter will be him laying out a vision for their life and reminding the people he was writing to what the most important thing was— but the key wasn't that it was based around what they did, but who they were becoming. No more so than in 1 Thessalonians. If you check out verse 2 and 3, it says this, We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And you might read that and think, well, doesn't Paul seem to be praising them for all of the hard work that they're putting in or everything that they're doing? But the key thing for me was, is what's the core? Where is it all coming from? Work produced by faith, labor prompted by love, and endurance inspired by hope in Jesus. Faith, love, and hope all elements of their character. And from that foundation, they were able to work, labor, and endure. And their identity didn't come from what they did, all the hard work they put in, but who they were and the aspects of their character and who they put their faith and their trust and meaning in. And so often we can flip that around. We think that if we just work hard enough, or if we keep going, or if we keep focusing on the outer life or our outer circumstances, the inner life will be complete and fall into place. But that's not what Paul seems to suggest here. And from what I read in the New Testament and my own experience is that to grow in maturity and in character is to become more like Jesus, the example that he set. If we're to grow in faith, in hope and love, then we need to grow in our likeness of Jesus. And there's a great verse later on in that chapter where Paul describes that that church, they became imitators of us and of the Lord, of the Lord Jesus. And then goes on to say that that church became a model for all believers. The Thessalonians, they imitated Christ, and in doing so, became a model for us, for all of us to look to. And this idea of imitating or becoming like someone or something is true of everybody. We all do it, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not. And often we're completely unaware that it is happening. And so, if we're all becoming like someone or something, the question is who are we imitating? Who are we being formed into the likeness of? And the classical way of describing this process is formation, or spiritual formation in this context. And I really like the word formation, because firstly it emphasizes that this is a process, this is a journey. We're not going to get these things right straight away, and also that it's not just a Christian thing, but formation is a human thing. We're all going through a process of formation. The question is, into whose likeness? And Dallas Widder described spiritual formation like this. Spiritual formation in the Christian tradition is a process of increasingly being possessed and permeated, or in other words, kind of absorbed or overflowing by the character traits of Jesus as we walk in the easy yoke or light burden of discipleship with Jesus, our teacher. And I really like this description because uh, often it can get confusing uh, when we say things like, you know, I want to become more like Jesus, um, because I, I'm not Jesus. I'm I'm Joel Wade, as Philip said. Philip is Philip along. We're all different. You are you. I am I am me. Uh, we're not first-century Jewish rabbis who are really good at carpentry, and that's all okay. That's not what we mean by being like Jesus. What we mean is, as Willard said, that his character, uh, we become possessed and permeated with the character traits of Jesus so that his loves become our loves, his grace becomes our grace, his peace becomes our peace, his joy becomes our joy, his holiness becomes our holiness. And there are two types of formation, intentional formation and unintentional formation. And so unintentional formation looks like this. We are shaped by our, next slide please, our environment, the culture or the place that we live, our habits, the things that we just do, uh, and our relationships, the people we spend our time with. Just to give you an example of the environment, uh, if you're not careful, this city will shape who you are. It will form you without you knowing it. Just one silly example from my own life. Um, since moving to London, I have, I have quite literally lost the ability to walk slowly. I don't know if you have the same. So if I'm walking with a group, I, kind of, I walk like this, and I stop, and I kind of wait, <laughs> and I walk like this. And I stop, then I wait. I've just literally lost the ability to walk slowly, to walk calmly. The kind of busyness and the hurried nature of this city has just got into my like, being and into my body, and so that it's like, physically manifested in this way that I walk, and I just need to learn or unlearn some habits that I've picked up because this place, this city, forms us and shapes us. And just the next time you're on the tube or in a queue or on the bus and you get your phone out, just, just stop and think, did I, did I mean to get my phone out or did it just happen? I don't know if this is true of you. It's just like automatically this thing gets into my hand and I'm looking at it and I think, I didn't even remember doing this. Like Next time you're on the, you are on the tube, just like watch people, um, n- not in a creepy way. Don't, don't do that. But just watch people and see what, see what they do. If they get on the bus, they sit down, what do they do next? If they get on the tube and sit down, what do they do next? If they're in the queue and they stop, what do they do next? It's just almost become this automatic cultural liturgy that we just do. We get on the tube, we sit down, we get our phone out. Now, just a caveat, I'm not necessarily saying that these are bad things, but do we know it's even happening? Do we know how and what is shaping us? Do you find yourself wanting to become more like the people you you follow or your friends with on social media? Has your fashion changed since you moved to East London? Do you now have a beard? Do you now enjoy a turmeric bun and a flat white? Does how we act or speak or how... Oh how, sorry. sorry, that was a dig at Raph again, but no one else knows, but uh, just, just me and D. <laughs> I'm really sorry, Raph. I do love you. This is why I do it. It's because I love you. Um, does how we act or speak or how much we drink, does it change depending on who we are with or where we are? Are they intentional? Or do they just happen because of our environment, our relationships, and our habits? But as followers of Jesus we have to stop and ask ourselves, are we intentionally trying? And honestly, are we intentionally trying to imitate Christ and be formed into his likeness? And Paul is constantly giving the church not just a vision for that church or that city that he was writing to, but also he was giving them a vision for for what their life could be like, for who they could become. And so that's where intentional formation comes in. So if unintentional formation comes from the environment, relationships, and habits, what about intentional formation? How do we become more like Jesus? So, truth, practices, community, Holy Spirit. And this has just been a really helpful paradigm for me as I've been thinking about this. So firstly, we're formed by truth. Part of the process comes with formation when we both read the Bible, when we hear it read, and we hear it taught. I mean, Rich kind of alluded alluded to it earlier. Regularly reading the Bible, hearing it, not just as a chore or a tick box exercise, not just trying to get through it as quickly as we can, but allowing it to transform our hearts and minds. And not only that, by talking about it with others, learning from other people helps us understand more about God, his character and his intention for us. And in teaching and preaching on a Sunday, those things are all super important, or in other contexts as well. Reading, reading books, podcasts, all, the, all this stuff, just allowing our mind to be transformed and intentionally allowing our mind to be transformed is, is just really, really helpful when we think about this. And secondly, practices, what do I mean by that? Um, a kind of traditional term is like spiritual practices or spiritual disciplines, things like prayer or worship like we've done tonight, communion like we've done tonight. Other ones like fasting or solitude, these are all really, really important because becoming like Jesus isn't just an intellectual process we do with our mind, it kind of gets into our whole soul and our whole being and it gets lived out. To be a follower or an imitator of Jesus is a way of life. And this is an area that, as a church, we have a lot of growing to do. And prayer, as you know, I'm sure many of you know, has been a particular focus for us. We're going to do another week of prayer in March, which will be really exciting where we'll be exploring some other spiritual practices. In fact, Liam is actually going to be preaching on fasting next week. So that should be, have a big lunch and then come along. It'd be, um, it'd be great. But we do these, we talk about these things, all because they help us, uh, help form us into the likeness of Jesus. And I feel like for in my own journey over the last year, and I know many others in this service, kind of, I guess, partly reawoken or awakened, not to you keep using the, the sermon series, but honestly, just being reawoken to all the, the benefits of spiritual practices. And finally, participating in community. And to be honest, I don't think I need to talk too much about this or say why it's important. I think we're probably all aware that loneliness in particular is really problematic and crippling for people in our city. But only, not only that, community is where we're both encouraged and challenged in our walk with Jesus. But the problem with a word like community is that it's one of these words that we could just say in church a lot and they just kind of lose, it just loses its meaning because we repeat, re- repeat it. It's important we talk about it, but it can just lose its meaning. And there's a name for this. It's called semantic satiation, which is very posh, isn't it? Um, but it's where we use the same words over and over again that they just lose all meaning. And community is in danger of being one of those words. And we need to make sure for all this talk of community that they aren't empty words and we actually live this out. It's backed up in the way that we live. And here's what Paul encourages the church in Thessalonica to do. He says, We urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive. Encourage the disheartened. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good for each other and for everyone else. If you were part of that community in Thessalonica, you participated. Community wasn't just a word, but it was a proactive thing, and it went right to the heart of who a person was prepared to challenge those who weren't fulfilling their potential, prepared to encourage the weak with patience and love. And it was open, it wasn't cliquey. It says, do good for each other and for everyone else. And they were encouraged to put themselves in a position where they could know and be known by others. And again, this is why we talk about connect groups a lot, just because they are just such great opportunities to intentionally put ourselves in community where we can grow and help others grow too. And so our vision for this community is that everyone would participate. Everyone would have a role to play with the end of becoming more like Jesus. And as we do that, become our real, true selves. We'd participate with our time, with our effort and our energy, with our resources, with our wisdom and insight, with our sense of humor, with our skills and with our talents, with our personality. And what would it look like if everyone in this room... Who called Christchurch London their home, their church, participated and lived out what Paul encourages the church, the Thessalonians to do. People who committed to others in this transient, individualistic culture. And just to say, even if you are here just for a short time, you're maybe not sure if you're living, you'll be living in London in a year or even three months, I just encourage you not to let that stop you. Get stuck in, get involved. Let us help you and please help us. Let your time here be really formative as, in, as you walk with Jesus. And let us send you out in prayer and in love if your journey in London comes to an end. And if any of these things, any of these things are going to have a real, any real impact, the Holy Spirit has to be at the core, right at the center of who we are and who we're becoming. And what really excites me about this, this idea of formation, is that in order to change this city, we're going to need changed people. If we were to set a vision for transforming London without a a vision for transforming each other, without a vision for transforming you, it wouldn't be transformation. And what's so beautiful about the gospel and the church is that transformed places come about because of transformed people. Transformed by the scriptures, by the Holy Spirit, by the spiritual practices, and transformed by the community that we are part of. And so as we think about this year ahead, we want this service to become a place where you can grow in your self-awareness and know the kind of people that you are being formed into, where Jesus becomes the meaning, the hope, and the joy of your life in a way that is not just said with words, but lived out in action. And as we do that, become permeated by his character, and we become more and more formed into his likeness. If a band want to come up, that'd be great. And so we have plans to put that into fruition. As I said, we're going to have another week of prayer in March where we'll have more resources for you, a bit like the prayer book at the back, uh, for you to practice prayer and the other spiritual practices. Now, we're going to start a men's ministry really soon uh, this year. We've been gathering a really brilliant team uh, who are going to lead that and more on that in the coming weeks. I'm very really excited about that. And also a kind of organic movement of prayer has begun in our church as well, where a group of people have been meeting every week at seven o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday just to pray for you, for this city, for this area, for God to move in a way that he hasn't moved in a while. And we're going to open that up and offer that to other people who want to get involved and catch on to this vision of prayer for this city. And then either in this September... Or well, January 2020, we are going to plant a brand new East London morning service. It is actually going to happen, guys. It's happening. We're viewing venues. And we're getting ready, and more on that in the next coming weeks as well. But there are more, there's loads of really good and important reasons why we want to do this, why we want to plant this new service. But what excites me the most about this is the opportunity for more people outside of these walls to engage with questions of faith. And as we become more like Jesus, as we, as we go through a process of formation, so our heart for people outside of the church will grow as well. And my prayer, kind of what Nat was saying, is when it comes to mission, our prayer is that we see more people come to faith, and our desire for that grows and grows and grows. And this is one of the things that uh, we've been thinking about and talking about as lot, a lot as leaders. We want this church to be a place where people are totally free to come and explore faith and find out more about Jesus. And we think we do that okay. But we also really want people to choose to follow him as well. And as David shared last week, more and more people are turning back to some form of spirituality. Religion is on the up. Uh, the number of people with no belief in God fell while faith in God was steady. And the number of those on a spiritual journey or with spiritual belief increased. And just to add, to echo um, Philippa's uh, uh, comments earlier just to add if you are exploring faith if this is you or you're on a spiritual journey or you've come back to church after a long time away or whatever it might be we really do want to help you as much as we can Just there's an explore stand at the back there's some stuff out, out there that you can take uh, there's a Bible if you don't have a Bible just take that for, completely for free but do talk to us we would love to help you in any way we can don't talk to Philippa about Alpha she doesn't because she just won't remember or she just won't know um, but talk to one of us about Alpha and we'll be happy to talk to you about that too But as Jesus said in Matthew 9, there is a harvest, but the workers are few. And I'm praying that we would all grow in our heart and in our confidence to respond to Jesus' call on our lives for mission. And God is really stirring not just us as leaders, but the church to really focus on this. And I've been really inspired and encouraged by a group of you from this service who've been just going out, walking around East London, instigating conversations with people and talking to them about their faith. Kenny, Ellen, Becca, Tonya, Barbara and Nat have all gone out and these conversations have been just really fruitful and we're going to hear from one right now. Um, Before the service today, Nat and Barbara kind of came up to me just like with joy on their faces about a story you're going to hear. So Nat, Barb, why don't you come up and hear and we'll hear from you. Tell us what happened.
1: Hi. Um, so this is like really impromptu. <laughs> so forgive us if we're a bit lost for words. But um, as Joel said, um, some of us have been meeting uh, kind of like on a monthly basis to like pray for people um, like... That we can go out and meet people in the local area um, and share the message of Christ with them. Um, and there's been some like great stories from it, but what happened today was particularly exciting because we met up this morning to um, basically pray for the year ahead and to just pray that God would like kind of open people's hearts and minds and give us opportunities to share. Um, his love and grace with them share the gospel with them and kind of invite them to church and things. And then afterwards me and Barbara, we uh, were trying to find somewhere to have coffee um, before the service. And we just randomly went to a place that like, we weren't even like really looking to go there. We just (laughs) decided to walk in. um, And what led from there was just an opportunity to like talk to somebody about church and um, kind of like a conversation about you know, um, God's forgiveness and just went into it about um, explaining how we don't have to earn God's love. Like, it's not like a a process of us always trying to, like, perform for him or Mm. seek his favor, that he really is just there for us um, and wants to have a relationship with us, first and foremost. Um, And, yeah, it was really great. Like, um, we're hoping that we can see that individual again. But it just shows that at the end of the day, God's preparing this area. Like, we can mm. sit here and we don't even realize that God's preparing the hearts and minds of people. Before this, like, evangelism was always one of those things where I'd be like, yay, evangelism. <laughs> like, I just used to be, like, really, I used to be really scared about it. I used to be really nervous about talking to people. But what I found is because we've been, like, really praying for God to move in this area, he's prepared people. We've actually come across people where they've. People have been like, family members have been praying that I'll come to church, or they've been praying that I'll meet Christians in this area. Mm. Or just, there was one person we met before when he was like, I've just been waiting for somebody to tell me that God loves me. Mm. Like, this is the kind of, these are the kind of stories that we've had that clearly show that God is doing something in this area. He, he's preparing people, and it's just for us to actually go out there, be obedient, and say, look, this is the message of Christ. Mm. So we just encourage everyone if you've not thought about it, just go for it. God is with us. Holy mm. Spirit is here. He's preparing us, and he's preparing the
0: Amazing. people outside. Amazing. Thank you, guys. Do you want to share something? <laughs> um, so, yeah, we just want to encourage anyone who's, you know, been thinking about evangelism. And if, even if you're not confident in doing it, we usually go out. We go, actually, we're going to go out every first Sunday of the month. So starting from March. Um, So if you're really interested, just, you know, talk to us and come along. Um, We usually pray a little bit and then go out on the street for an hour. We don't go out alone. We go in pairs, So um, you know, on your own. So just come along and see what God can do. Um, I mean, you know, God will use you no matter what. Um, So, yeah. Amazing. Thank you, guys. That's amazing. Thank you. And I, love, I love stories like that. There was another one I had uh, heard last week as well. Just, and what excites me particularly is just the passion that is growing and stirring in people. And I loved, I was so proud of you at the carol service. We had 190 people here at the carol service. which was the most we've ever had. And I was really proud of you because you really took hold of this idea of just inviting friends along. Getting them to hear the Christmas story, the Christian story. And they're two really good examples of what we should be doing. We should be going out Talking to people where we're at, either with that group or in work or whatever, but also inviting them in to hear about Jesus. And someone else from this service was telling me recently how they were in the park in one of the local parks, and got talking to uh, a person who's with her granddaughter, a lady who's with her granddaughter. Um, they had a nice conversation in part of ways, and uh, she went to a coffee shop later that day, and uh, this uh, grandmother saw her and was like, oh, I'm so glad I bumped into you again. Um, I would just love to take your number so I can introduce you to my, my daughter. She's um, a young mum too, and would like, really benefit from having a friend who's a young mum. And I just like, loved that story so much. But it kind of like, it, it hurt a little bit, because there are so many people who don't have this community, who don't have what we have here. We don't have a community around us or around them to support and encourage them. Um, And I just love these stories that are are coming up. And if you have any stories like that, please do do share. We do want to celebrate um, some of these stories. Right. I'm going to pray. These two aspects, formation and mission, that they really kind of grab hold of us as a church. If we're to be formed more and more into the likeness of Jesus, then our heart for mission will increase and our heart for formation to be formed into uh, Jesus, into the character of Jesus will increase. So why don't you stand? We'll just stand and we'll pray. Yeah, Lord Jesus, thank you so much for who you are. Lord, we want to be a community that become more passionate about following you We want to be a community that is self-aware and intentional in forming our character and our lives into the character and life of you, Jesus. Where we are formed not just with knowledge of the word, but in practicing it out too. Where we bear one another's burdens, where we bring in the foreigner and the stranger, where we're not closed off or cliquey, where we become passionate about praying and working towards the renewal of this city, passionate about mission and how we can serve others. Lord Jesus, we want a reputation that is one of a people that love you and love this city. That is what we want to be known for, God. We don't want to be known for anything else. We want to be known as people who love you and are passionate about following you. God, let this be a marker now where for those of us who may have been stirred by either this idea of being formed into your likeness or be becoming passionate about mission, Lord, would you you speak to us now? Would you open our hearts and our minds to hear from you? Lord God, and as we continue into this year, as we continue into 2019, let you be our vision. Let you be uh, the person and the meaning and the hope and the joy that we all uh, strive after and, and build our lives around. Lord Jesus, we want to grow in your likeness and in your character. Thank you so much for who you are and what you are doing in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.